Hi, and welcome to another episode of MA's podcast. Today, we've got a special guest with us today. Um, she goes by the name of Lottie Lucas. She is actually a professional triathlete. Thank you for coming, Lottie. Thanks Much for having appreciate me. It. Thank you. Uh, do you want to tell the listeners or the viewers a little bit more about who Lottie is? Yeah, sure. So I'm a professional triathlete, just going into my third year racing pro um, this season, and also a triathlon coach. Um, but previously was a teacher and just an amateur as well. So okay. uh, three years now going into professional level. Okay. And 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 what got you to? You said you were you started with swimming, right? Yeah. And then that switched to triathlon. What happened over there to? Yeah, not even a direct switch, to be honest. (laughs) Um, I grew up as a child swimming through my teens. Um, I did stop for about five, six years completely, refused to get in the pool. Okay. And kind of refound my love and energy and drive for endurance sport again. And that translated to triathlon. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what gave you the idea of turning into a professional? It wasn't such an idea. It was a... I would say natural progression okay. uh, over the years because uh, even if you look at the finisher time, you know, each year was a little bit faster, a little bit more competitive. And then you get to a point where, yeah, you need that next push. Um, right. You need that next dynamic competition and um, level of challenge to be able to keep pushing yourself as well. Okay. Okay. That's really interesting you say that actually. Because you said you started as well with swimming first, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. Um, what what I think I know um, about triathlon is if you are a good swimmer, you already you already got you already got that one percent advantage over everybody else. So, what splits per one hundred meters do you reckon you have to do so you can stay in that top level? <laughs> so, uh, it depends what you mean by top level. Um, so do you mean how fast you need to swim to be in the pro field? Yep. You probably want to be looking for 1.9k in between 120, 125 pace per 100. 120, 125. For the females, probably okay. for the men, 110 to 115 pace per 100. Yeah, they're still so fast. <laughs> All of that is still so fast. And that's not to say that you can't still race professional. It just means that potentially you're going to be a little bit behind after the swim so you're probably going to be chasing a bit i'm just throwing out some numbers there yeah, that yeah. typically if you want to be close to the front coming out of the water that's the kind of pace you need to swim okay okay and did you start with the middle distance or did you grow into that um actually i yeah i did a relay that was my first okay. ever triathlon okay, uh, okay. swim section of course um, and that's middle distance is it yeah, that was okay. middle distance. And nice. then I tried out a little sprint for myself and okay. just progressed the distance from there. Oh, yeah. nice, nice. And um, your ranking right now in the pro field is 69, correct? Yes, wrong? correct. Right, and that's number one ranked nationals uh, in UAE nationals yes. within the females as well. Yeah. Right, so what are your biggest accomplishments in what was it only Ironman races that have you done or other middle distances that you'd call? Um, so you can do in terms of middle distance, you yeah. can do Ironman and challenge races, okay, which yeah. I've done a couple of. Nice. Um, I've also done a full Ironman before, but I much prefer. And at the moment I'm sticking with the <laughs> 70.3 distance. 
Yeah, it's a bit yeah. tough in it, the full full distance. I've only done one and I'm like, oh, I don't know if it's mentally it's mentally and physically it takes a big toll. Really I mean, does, even for it? professionals. Okay. Um and for amateurs I sometimes can't comprehend how they do it on top of uh full time jobs and also family and other commitments it's I insane <laughs> i don't know but then they will probably also tell you they needed a good four to six months afterwards mentally okay. and physically to recover from yeah. such a big um endurance challenge like that Absolutely. which is only natural that's right so what's your biggest accomplishments and what races did you biggest accomplishment um i guess was probably my pro debut um okay which sounds a bit strange because I guess not many people um, have such a, a great time on the pro debut. Normally it's yeah. a lot of learnings, but my pro debut was actually here on the last 70.3 Ironman Dubai in oh, was it? 2022, um, which was the last time it took place here. Yeah. And I just found myself coming out of the water first, which I, ran up the uh, the sand and I turned to my friends and I just said, what's going on? <laughs> they were the words. Um, and then I just had, well, I was almost kept looking behind me on the bike to see where is everyone? You know, um, there were two girls that went past me, Danielle Arif and Laura Phillip. Big but, names. Yeah. That's pro debut. Yeah. Um, they, they then quickly went up the road, yeah. <laughs> but I kept looking over my shoulder and I just couldn't see anyone else coming. And I just thought, sure, I, I honestly was just waiting, but they, no one ever caught me. Oh, wow. Um, and then going on to the run. Yeah, I did obviously see all the girls kind of, and some of them were closing me down a bit. Um, but I managed to just hold on to third place, which was phenomenal Easy. really. And again I, I just turned to my friend spectating and i said is this actually happening oh, right wow. now because this is just a day where everything comes together yeah um and i honestly would probably say maybe that will only happen in your career less than five times where you just have a day that goes so smoothly oh okay um so for me that was probably my greatest accomplishment to be honest and oh, nice. probably the happiest i've been um Amazing, so, yeah. amazing, great stuff. And what were your splits in that um, in the bike course I and the run? I can't well? remember exactly. Uh, I know the run was 125. Okay. It was about 4-0 pace, wow. maybe just a couple of seconds over that. Okay. Bike, I'm not sure exactly. Maybe it was around 2 hours 10, 2 hours 12. Okay, okay. Um, nice. It's a couple of years ago now, so... Yeah. Yeah, for those of yeah. you who don't know, a middle distance, also known as a half Ironman, is 1.9 kilometer swim, 90 kilometer bike, and 21.1 kilometer run. Yeah. So yeah. How did you approach? How do you approach train? Like, how do you train so you can get to that yeah. level? Do you know what I'm trying to say? So I'm I'm guessing obviously off season or when you're not racing is something completely different to when you're actually setting a target or setting yeah. a goal. Did you have a number in mind coming into the race that you worked on months prior to it? The overall time? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I think for professional racing, the time doesn't matter as much anymore. Okay. Um, so I don't focus too much on PB, personal best, because yeah. um, the conditions can vary on the day. So you can have extremely windy days. 
You can also go to races where it's very hilly. Um, I've, you know, done races with over 1,000 meters elevation on the bike course, wow. over 300 meters elevation on the run. So you're never going to expect the same pace and target. Absolutely. But what you can do is you can see relatively how you how you did compared to the rest of the field. Okay. For amateurs, um, potentially, you know, they aim to go under five hours. That's quite a, first of all, like a big target for many yeah. people. Um, and then it'll be like the 4.30 barrier and then it starts getting tougher and tougher and okay. you're happy with like a five minute, two minute improvement, really. Yeah. And that depends obviously if the, if the course is flat or yeah, if it's got exactly. it's hilly and everything. There's like a lot that. of factors. So it's not just, um, you know, the, the, the pure finish time. There's so many other factors which could um, kind of explain your performance and demonstrate, you know, a really good day. Okay. Okay. That's really interesting. And yeah, can we talk about um, Faust's concept? Yeah. So how did that go on about? Yeah, so Felipe Azevedo, my fiancé and uh, coach, he he started Faust's concept. Um, he had a small group of athletes that he wanted to grow the business more professionally. And uh, eventually the demand grew. I, I started then doing some swim programs um, as part of it because I noticed there was a bit of a gap or triathlon specific swim program with the kind of method we we wanted to employ um and then eventually demand grew and grew and so eventually i then you know started triathlon coaching as well and it's um kind of grown from there so we're one of the the bigger clubs in the uae um there's many good clubs here yeah. all different um some of them have multiple coaches some of them have multiple facilities. Every club is a little bit different in terms of what they can provide, um, but there's a really good level of competition and um, it's definitely competitive and motivating uh, for everyone around in this community. Absolutely, I've been seeing um, uh, you guys wear the tri suit, the foes concept, yeah. don't you? See, all of you guys, like whenever you come in towards those races, and I've been doing a couple of Olympic distance by the UAE Tri-League and also yeah. like the rack, which was like two weeks yeah. ago or so. And I've been following up with your Instagram. Everybody's got like really good places in towards yeah. and really good times as well. So that's yeah. great. So what's Bose's or the concepts approach in training? Mm. Would you say that you do something a little bit different to the other um, competitors in the field? We try to take our professionalism in the sport and apply that as best as we can to um everyone that we're coaching so it will depend though because we will ultimately the first goal is to get the best results for that person because at the end of the day if you're doing triathlon it's an extremely time-consuming hobby yeah I'm pretty sure everyone wants to get the best out of themselves um, and so that is the number one goal to make sure they are achieving results I think people come with high expectations and high goals and we try our best to to get them there now that might look different for different people, depending on how ambitious they are, um, how much time they have available, what races they're doing, many, many factors. And everyone's training will be slightly different um, according to, to those factors. Um, mm. But we also try to obviously learn everything we see and speak about in our professional triathlon arena um, from training camps with other professionals, um, knowing some of the top people in the game and really bringing some of the concepts to our athletes as well. 
nice, nice. And I'm guessing based on them improving, say, for example, if they wanted to improve in swim, which is, I'm guessing, your strongest discipline as well, would you say? In terms of coaching, yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. So how do you get stronger in that discipline? Yeah. It's obviously technique is very important for swim. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, it's definitely the most technical sport out of the three. Um, I've kind of taken, you know, my coaching in school to coaching adults and it's important not to overcomplicate things. Yeah. I think it's hard to implement if you overcomplicate. So yeah. it's keeping it basic, um, not getting too um, fussed about minor, minor details. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately when you go out into the open water, it can be quite rough, choppy. Yeah. You can't swim that perfect pool technique that you might have learned. So it's knowing how technical and applying that and then making sure that they're working at the right intensities. Um, they're working with the right rest turnarounds. They're getting the correct distance in um, every week, really. And, and how do you guys um, measure that? Do you use metrics like heart rate or do you do based on time splits? Yeah, we do mainly time splits for swimming. It will be different okay. for the different disciplines. Um, time splits probably is the most, but I'll have a small range of timing for working in that zone and working in this zone. Okay, okay. Um, um, because depending on the day, they might be a little bit more tired from work or yeah. you know family or whatever factor. So maybe on that day, they want to sit slightly at the slower end or some days they're feeling great, they might want to sit slightly on the higher end. Okay. Okay, and I'm guessing I've actually got a question for you. Yes, um, go for it. Say, for example, if you only got the time to do two swimming sessions throughout yeah. the week, how should that look like? Should it be high volume uh, of swim training, for example? Or should you basically find that at least maybe 30 minutes throughout your day so you can spend the water on, on different days? So I would say, first of all, I would focus a few sessions on just technique and making okay. sure everything is solid because I don't want to just give you loads of volume if you're doing the wrong technique because the more and more you do that, yeah. it's going to be harder to reverse it. Yeah, so maybe I, it would depend three, four, I don't know how many sessions it would require and then, okay, we're, we're solid here. Now like, we need to try and get the most out of every hour and... Um, yeah, trying not to spend more than three or four days out the water because you can lose that feeling for the water. Oh, okay. So as well, if you only had two sessions, definitely don't do it Monday, Tuesday, and then not swim until the next Monday. You yeah. know, try and have at least a couple of days, a couple of days. Oh, so you got to be consistent in that aspect. Yeah, because we're trying to not spend too long out the water. If you look at swimmers, they swimming morning and evening. Because, Every day. Yeah. <laughs> And Literally. if you speak to like a high level swimmer, they will lose their feeling of the water if they just spend one day out of the pool. Yeah. So we're trying to have contact with the water at least as right. much as we can. Right. And and what's the difference between swimming in open water and swimming in the swimming pool? What are the benefits of each? Benefits of each in terms of training? Yeah. I guess for open water, you need to grow confidence. So I think if people are lacking confidence, um, they need to go and, or they're like lacking being able to sight properly and the skill set required in the open water. They definitely need to do a few sessions there. But I do feel that the majority of the work and the quality work has to happen in the pool. Okay. Um, me personally, I do one or two open water training sessions per year. Per year? <laughs> so, okay. 
Yeah, it's mainly in the races, but that is, I would say that is not applicable to someone who maybe is nervous, not able to sight properly yeah. and maybe needs to re like build their confidence in the open water. So okay. you've got to find the balance. Yeah. And do you reckon sighting, like obviously it's within every stroke um, or every couple of strokes, you got you to sight to know where you're going in open water. You train for that when you're in the swimming pool? Because like you got a line, you follow the line. Should you implement vision or sighting? I'll do it as a drill at okay. the end. Uh, like some sessions I will do some drills like sighting and drafting and um, making sure that they're very confident and comfortable and they're not losing too much energy when they're sighting. I see. That's the key thing. I see. Do you have um, a personal preference on how many strokes you have to do before? sighting because every athlete i know that got yeah. their little thing going on i would normally say try not to have your head down for more than six to eight strokes six to eight strokes because by that point you could be five meters to the, ro the wrong happens side to me every time there you go <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be so remember olympic that. distance i always end up covering two thousand meters every okay. single time but we get in there we try so how many you know? strokes are you keeping your head down for would you uh, say you know what it depends if the water's choppy or yeah. it's not because if the water's still or if i'm swimming in the lake then obviously maybe eight and then I, I sight, yeah. which I think is still on the high side a little bit. Yeah. But even then, I think, like you said, it's just about technique, you know? It's like yeah. when you get gassed out, maybe, all right, your first 500 or 1,000 meters is great, but then that's where it matters. That's where the technique yeah. matters. But yeah, for me, I mean, <laughs> swimming is probably my weakest discipline. So that's why I'm asking all these questions yeah, yeah. as well. So um, we had a conversation based on um, your races on Malaysia and Philippines. Yes. Right. And what I do know is they're hot races and they're a bit humid as well, especially in Malaysia. Um, how do you prep for races like that, that yeah. are hot and humid? What do you do? Yeah. So we're talking 35 to 38 degrees temperature Yeah. <laughs> during the bike and run. Okay. Um, in Malaysia in particular was 80, 90% humidity. Wow. So that's almost like here on the normal <laughs> yeah. day, isn't it? So, yeah, in terms of preparation, we are in a good place, Dubai, because we can use the heat to our advantage. I've spoken to other pros coming from different countries and many of them are having to do different techniques, you know, indoor trainer with no fan, sauna mm -hmm. to replicate. But we do have that advantage here most of the time. Yeah. Um, I think the dangerous thing is, which can happen, is overtraining in the heat. Okay. So there, I have seen it, people completely overtraining, completely depleting themselves up. By the time the race comes, they're already emptied. You yeah. know, they've got nothing more to give. So you really have to be careful in terms of finding the perfect balance of outdoors and how much you are pushing it in the heat. Okay. And it's like during, for example, maybe summer season, it's obviously not advised to go out there in the middle of the day. Yeah. So what is it got to be maybe early in the morning, better than late at night because you don't want to get the cortisol levels. What do you think about that? Yeah, um, I would say I try, very, very depending on the race and the time of the year. Right. If I was going outside, it was mainly easy sessions okay, and mainly working from heart rate. So not worried about my pace on the run or my power on the bike, okay. but using my heart rate as a more accurate indicator of what level of intensity I'm working at. Because you okay. might notice your heart rate could be like 10 to 20 beats higher. Yeah but your pace is so much slower. So I'm not getting stressed thinking, I'm not running this pace that I normally run. No, I'm just yeah. 
trusting the process, working at that heart rate, sometimes giving myself a heart rate cap. Like I must not run and my heart rate goes over 140, for example. I'm oh, just, wow. yeah. It's really tough to do as well, isn't it? Yeah, so it, whatever that pace is, it is. But gradually over the weeks, you might see heat adaptation mm-hmm. and you'll see that pace increase for yeah. under that heart rate number. Okay. But you have to be, yeah, careful. Okay. And what's the diet or the fueling like? Um, approaching these hot races, how do you go on about it? Yeah, for the hot races, it's it's um, you have to really think about it because your bottles are going to get very hot very quickly. Yeah. So I don't know what you take in your races, but you probably don't want to be drinking like a hot carb drink. Like Absolutely that's not, not going to quench your thirst. No. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you might have alternative ways. Um, I've also frozen bottles and used other techniques before. Um, I'm also grabbing fresh water at pretty much every aid station I can okay. and simply downing the bottle yeah. <laughs> as quickly as I can. Fair enough. Um, which is not always easy when you're in the middle of a race on the bike, um, yeah. traveling at high speeds, but yeah. you have to really make a conservative effort to to do that. Okay. Okay. And what about fueling, like maybe pre, during and post race? Yeah. Um, I think... Look, you just have to make sure the salt and the hydration levels are high, especially for those races, because you're definitely going to lose a bit more water than usual, lose more electrolytes than usual. Um, And you also need to be careful, um, you know, those two countries, the food can vary, very different to here. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to upset your stomach as well. So it can be quite a plain, boring, a few days of eating beforehand. Okay. and then afterwards, I mean, it doesn't really matter, but oh. you <laughs> pizza, burger, whatever yeah. it, whatever takes your fancy. That's but right. uh, you just want to recover as quickly as possible. Fair enough. Right. And um, say, for example, in towards the, the, the fueling aspect in, in the bike course, for example, is that advisable yeah. to, to take in all of that fuel in when you're in that bike? before you go for the run and your run has to be just maybe not as much carbs, for example, towards taking it in, or does it vary between someone and someone else? Um, It will vary and it's something you need to train. So I don't know if you know, for example, how much grams of carbohydrate you are taking per hour on the bike. Maybe you you know a number. Between 80 to 90, yeah. Okay, so you're you're doing pretty good. Um, It probably is ranging for people between 60 and 120. Depends on the person. Now, it might be harder to hit the higher numbers in a hot temperatures like that, as you can probably imagine, like your appetite and everything changes. Get hungrier. <laughs> and you're thirsty. Yeah, that's, thirsty, that's yeah. the main difference. Absolutely. So like I said, you're probably not going to have carb carbohydrate mix in your bottles. You might just go for pure water and electrolytes okay. and you might take in more gels, more chews or however you, you do it. Yeah. And do you reckon it's a good idea to have... Um, like to find out what your sweat rate is. Yeah. Um, especially in like hot races. Yeah. Um, and how far ahead do you have to know so they can keep that as a blueprint towards doing that during the race? Yeah. So you can find out your sodium loss. Okay. Okay. So you can find out your how much concentration of sodium is in your sweat. And that yeah. number won't change really. So that will be a number that no matter what... Um, so for example, it could be 500 milligrams, just throwing out a number, 500 milligrams of sodium per liter of sweat. Okay. Okay, So then 
what you need to establish is right how many liters of sweat am i actually losing yeah um during that bike course because then i need so if it is two liters i need to replenish a hundred uh, sorry a thousand milligrams okay of sodium so the sweat rate will affect your sodium uh, loss okay. depending on how much you sweat Fair enough. Which is hard to quantify because you're obviously not going to be there in those conditions, but yeah. probably just going to increase a little bit from what you do here to there, knowing that you're probably going to sweat a bit more there. Okay, okay. And I, yeah, I've done I've done a couple of a couple of middle distance and one full distance, and I realize, especially in the run, in the last kilometers, I always cramp up. So that's like my new discovery of, of yeah. learning throughout the way. I'm like, hang on a minute, I have never actually tried you know those fast chews or sodiums yeah. or or yeah. salt tablets or something like probably. that. It's probably why. Probably what you need to test. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and within those races, actually, um, I see people doing normalized power throughout maybe 400, 450. I'm thinking, how is that possible? So I tried doing the boat in full distance and they got okay. like 3,600, 3,400 meters elevation. Those yeah. climbs was like three loops of absolute yeah. hell that was. And now as I was like busting my ass off so I can get up that hill, see a guy still in a seated position doing like a seated power of just going 30 kilometers per hour up there. And that makes me think, you know, first of all, I felt like complete shit because <laughs> yeah. like the level of difference. And then I think to myself, I was like, well, hang on a minute. That like what my eyes just saw is not normal. And I think in endurance sports, it's, it's been a thing now in which people are either taking substances that are like or or blood doping or whatever it is that they're doing and it's becoming like almost a thing where you're innocent until proven otherwise mm. what do you think about about that in 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 the triathlon industry i i mean you don't know with the person's situation the person that's gone zooming past you they could be ex-professional it might not work. So I don't think just the fact that he went past you, you can start accusing him of anything. No, no, no. He might be, you know, yeah. a top cyclist in the UK. Maybe, so, maybe even, yeah. Um, it's definitely come to the surface with some cases last year mm -hmm. um, in some big pros that were caught doping. So there's definitely more awareness. I mean, me personally, I get drug tested a couple of times per year. So okay. um, they are testing. Okay. They are checking. I need to make conscious choices when I'm taking supplements. I can only take certain supplements, even electrolyte tablets that have been batch tested, for example. Oh. So you might not even realize that. I need to look for a special sticker on products just to certify that I can actually take that supplement. Oh, wow. it's, gone, it's undergone extra checks. And because many uh, supplements, vitamins, anything just in the pharmacy I'm talking about, um, many things are contaminated yeah. and it could um, it could test as positive. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in the pro level, there is a lot of testing going on and hopefully they are working towards making a cleaner, fairer sport. Um, yeah. At the amateur level, I heard they started to test a bit um, and I can only encourage that more, especially at yeah. World Championships Absolutely. where people probably maybe are and going above limits and yeah. not following guidelines and mm. i can only support that because yeah, i think at the end of the day we all want to have fair competition that's right absolutely and we need to be in it together to support yeah. that yeah and and just like a lot of things to it isn't it there's a lot of covering agents that you can do 
that uh, even if you get tested, I mean, I've, I've watched actually a couple of documentaries and uh, there is one out there on Netflix, which was like a, a whistleblower named Icarus. Have yeah, I've heard it? of that. Yeah. And I was like, that kind of blew yeah. my mind in that aspect. And I started doing research. I'm like, oh, actually, I've been asking around as well. There's a lot of covering agents and towards it. But exactly like you said, has to be a fair sports and we can only encourage more of that happening, yeah. even at the amateur levels. Yeah. Um, right. Um, can we talk about training peaks and periodization? Yes. How do you exactly, for example, take an athlete and then give them the program? Do they have to go through fitness tests in the beginning? How do you do their periodization? What training yeah. they have to have? Can you please explain more about that aspect? Yeah, so I like to have a strong meeting and lots of questions at the start and we need to establish what your, first of all, your A race is. You know, what's the main goal? And then you work backwards from there. Then we work out, right, where are we at? We need to get there. Okay. We might set uh, points in the in the middle. We might set testing points, small races. We'll call them B or C races, depending on what they are. Mm -hmm. And we kind of build a structure from there. Okay. Um, so it will be work. It's very much needs to work backwards. And yeah, I do like to do testing in the first week of working with someone okay. because it's really important to make sure that we're working at the right zone. And also, I know they are happy in a couple of months' time. I'll test them again. And if they are showing improvements, we know things are going the right direction. Yeah, yeah. If we never do testing and we're only, you know, a aiming for a race, then it's, you know, it's difficult to quantify exactly and check all the numbers are accurate. And we need to constantly be changing and evolving and, and evaluating and making sure things are working properly. So for someone who's got a full-time job, consider wanting, wanting the target to be an elite amateur. Um, how many hours of training per week do you think they should have? It will depend on the level they're coming in on the swim, bike and run. Okay. But I think you can be elite amateur with 12 to 15 hours okay. per week Which of is a training. Lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then if you what break do you think? it down, yeah. that could be almost four or five hours on the weekend. But True. What it is, I noticed, some people can do that for a few weeks. Hmm. But it's the consistency all year that really makes a difference at the end. Yeah. And uh, with many of my athletes, I do give them the annual total and I tell them yeah. what the average weekly volume was that they actually did. Okay. Because when you do put that into perspective, you can see, oh, uh, the swim, 45 minutes per week. Actually, yeah. that was not consistent at all. Whereas actually okay. the run, I was doing two hours a week consistently that was okay. you know so consistency over time is always my approach Absolutely. which then comes back to the training can never be too hard too yeah. intense that it yeah. kills you off yeah. but you can't complete the training Fair so long-term consistency wins over over anything really okay. and tests in between so you make sure they're on the right path i'm guessing tests in between but when i do a test I always give them some rest okay. so it's a nice little checkpoint it's rest taper as you would taper, for yeah. a little bit for a race mm -hmm. let's test let's see where we're at okay let's reevaluate and rebuild the process from here interesting and that's yeah. for that's for elite amateurs 12 to 15 or about the professionals how many hours do you reckon they put in <sighs> That will vary, but it will probably <laughs> From be. From that side. <laughs> We're talking 22 to 35 hours per week. 20, sorry, what? 22 to 35 22 hours. 22 to 35. Yeah. Wow. 
that is yeah. a lot of hours was that like <laughs> four hours a day yeah so me personally i'm normally um, sitting around 25 mark per week wow. hours of training how do you even find the time to do that <laughs> <laughs> It's consistency and discipline, <laughs> isn't it? Consistency over That's time. Right. <laughs> right. So just so we can close the show, I like to play um, a game in the end with, with my guests. And that game is just to dig into your subconscious a little bit. I would say a word and you'd have to answer as quick as you can based on that word and can be the most random thing that you're thinking about. Okay. So I can only say one word. Only one word. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. That was a quick answer. Well done. Right. Shoes. Feet. Swim. Water. <laughs> Bike. Ride. Run. Happy. I like that. I like that. It's the first answer we got that. Iron. Strong. Professional. Triathlete. Training. Consistency. Podium. Winning. Hustle. Consistency. <laughs> Foes. Concept. Right. Thank you very much for that. Well done. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you yeah. for sharing your knowledge. I'm sure a lot of listeners and viewers and even myself have learned a lot from this as well. Good. Thank you. You can tell my favorite word is consistency, right? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right. Thank you very much for that. Thank you Lottie. for having me. Thank you very much for tuning in to MA's podcast. Please like or subscribe, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. Y'all take care. Have a good one. Thanks.